Welcome back to another episode of Step Back Sisterhood. I've missed these three ladies so much. Uh, last week I was not feeling well on my staycation. Boo. Um, but I was able to make it through the Women's National Championship game. It was a great game. But now I'm back in NBA mode with my three favorite ladies, Tara, Brittany, and Janelle. And we're here. We're going to talk about the ratings. We're going to talk about televised games and just other topics that we feel like talking about. So I want to start off by talking about how you ladies feel about the ratings of the NBA and why do you think that people aren't watching as much anymore? Whoever wants to start. Um, I can start. I think there's multiple reasons and it's not a, like a simple, you know, cause such as I think I've heard some folks say, Oh, this is because of um, social justice movement, uh, you know, that sort of started in the bubble and folks brought that up and it's complete nonsense. You know, first of all, the ratings, not just for the um, NBA, but all sporting events outside of football and even football is having an issue are going down. Like there's a mixture of just people not being available, having to work more because of economic situations. Um, the pandemic caused, you know, essentially an economic downturn. Um, another thing too is that um, Nielsen, who is the company that does the ratings, as well as other, you know, sort of providers, they don't fully cover people who are watching online or, you know, second to third day if they're not a, you know, a Nielsen family. So essentially a Nielsen family is, you know, since, you know, since they had the ability to record boxes around the cable times or even earlier than that, they would select families based on a sampling of, you know, the um, United States population. So essentially, you know, 10% are supposed to be black folks, um, you know, what is it, 60 or something percent would be, you know, white, a certain percentage would be Latino. Um, and they would select those groups so that people are so that they would get a um, decent representation or representation of who is watching. And, you know, for years that has been, you know, until I would say the last five to six years, that's been relatively accurate. I won't say like perfect because of course a sampling is just that a sampling. Um, but if you get a large enough sampling, there is, you know, a, pers- you know, there is, uh, you know, there's a error, um, amount, but it's not like a significant, but I think the one thing that has caused that situation to change, um, besides the fact that, you know, just a lot of people migrating over to the internet and watching things either, um, you know, quite frankly, illegally or just through streaming services is that these services haven't figured out a way to fully account for the individuals or the groups who are watching them. Um, and, you know, that's actually making a lot of, you know, until that happens, we won't actually see exactly how that's happening. But that being said, uh, when it comes to the NBA, that's partially due to it. And then the other part that's due to it is just like the games are just really hard to watch. Um, of course, I'm a Rockets fan, so the Rockets have been, you know, pretty dreadful this season. But the one thing that's been really frustrating and not just from a Rockets perspective, but from the entire league is that Games are high scoring, but they're non-competitively non-scoring. Like once in a while, there'll be, you know, a 148 to 140, you know, game. But then other times we'll get games like, um, Saturday, um, where all the games had a margin of victory of 14 points in, or more. Like that, like who's going to watch a fourth quarter where a team is completely blowing out the other team? That's not, you know, sustainable. So, you know, yes, you know, the NBA actually recently said that, you know, well, not recently, but back in February, they mentioned that, you know, fans love to watch um teams you know, have high scores, but at the same time, if they're not competitive high scores, what's the point? 
So, you know, maybe that means that they need to change, like, you know, the defensive, you know, the ability that defenses have to keep the score relatively low, um, or maybe not low, but at least keep the games competitive or do something else. But I think, you know, just besides the fact that the research and ability to see what the ratings are exactly isn't, um, congruent to who is actually watching um watching shows and where it's also just really bad games that are happening almost every single night yes i i agree uh 100% i mean with the popularity of streaming you know it's, it's hard for nielsen to to monitor and measure those numbers and plus you know, like you said, Brit is, is the product. The products still have some flaws and a lot of that has to do with, you know, defensive rules, you know, not competitive. And, you know, that still matters. And another thing, um, and this is going to sound hot takey and I, I hate to, to go there. I really hate to do this, but there's not really a villain out here, you know. Yeah, there's super teams, but there's there's not a lot of pushback like, you know, when the Warriors had their super team, if that makes sense. You know, there, there's no pushback on the Nets, not to the degree of, of what the Warriors had or even what the Heat had back in the day. You know, there's really no root and interest, not even for the the casuals who are stuck on narratives. That matters too. Dang, I hate to go there, but th- that's – that's another reason. Well, as a casual stuck on narratives, uh, <laughs> I, that's what I identify with probably most compared to you all. Cause you all like, uh, are much more into analysis than I am. But, uh, the thing that resonated with me with it, both of you talked about Brit, you kind of talked about like a, it's really hard to measure accurately how many people are actually watching the games to get like true results in, you know, uh, of, you know, how many people are, are watching because of so many different ways that you can consume a game. Then there's also product flaws. Um, you know, games being not competitive, uh, uh, no like universally vilified team that everybody wants to beat. And like, that's part of it is this like, not, I think instead of just like villains, it's like the team that everybody wants to beat no matter what. Like Golden State, we wanted to beat them. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a hard time saying villains because I always like everybody except for the Utah Jazz. But, you know, somebody that you wanted to like beat them. no matter what. I mean, after all, they got the best record in the league now and, you know, no one really loves Utah like that. So that, that should be smart, <laughs> but it's not. I guess because it's Utah. I mean, who knows? Well, and I think there's like different types of fans too. So there's people who like root for like ride and die for like that one team. Like I, you know, I watch every single Blazer game more than once, but everything else that's going on in the league, I catch it where I can. Sometimes I know and I don't watch it every single night. Um, but, but anyway, all this is to say is that, um, I think that there's another, there's yet another thing that's going on is that people are consuming games differently. Cause you were talking, Britt, about, um, uh, like blowouts. And, you know, as my team has suffered its fair share of blowouts, but it's also had its share of like come from behind victories. And just look at the game that happened earlier today, which was the Celtics versus Denver, where Denver was up and then the Celtics came roaring back. And, I think one thing happens is, is we have these, like, these tremendous runs go on right now, and nobody, like, wants to sit around and wait for the run to happen. They just want to know that it happened and then go watch it. And that kind of goes back to, um, something that Variety came out with, the Variety, the magazine, or whatever you call it, a website or whatever. Um, they just, uh, did a, a survey of sports viewers for NL, M- NFL, NBA, and MLB, and, over half the people who responded would rather watch highlights. Mm-hmm. And so I think that goes to what you were both talking about, like just like with the rules of the game and just like how we sit there for three hours and slog through a game when we know that after the game is over, there's going to be like a 20 minute version that's going to give us 
you know, it's going to say, here was the, you know, ignore everything up until the run. Here was the run. Here's how the other team kind of try to counter it. And here's what the ultimate result was. Yeah. Or reaction videos of folks, which, uh, I mean, I, I think, I, I think we maybe talked about how, or maybe not, but the, um, M- NBA was actually trying to take down a ton of, um, of the 20 minute recap videos, um, just because, you know, and those channels, but they decided to, you know, sort of back some of the people who are making those uh, videos because they realized, you know, there is incentive for folks who can't watch, you know, 72 games or even half of those games for their favorite team because they, you know, there's just not any time. So I, I guess speaking of that, you know, there is, you know, right this season we have 72 games and I'm assuming that next season it would go back up to the normal 82 games, but there have been, um, or, you know, a contingency of folks who have said that the NBA plays too many games and they should reduce the number of games. Um, do you all think that that's going to, like, if they did decide, like, hey, in the next contract discussion, because uh, just for everyone's reference, the reason why they can't go lower than 72 games and the reason why they didn't do it this season is because of... TV contracts, like the TV contract, both the regional sports networks and ESPN slash um, TNT, uh, they have agreements in place saying that they have to play a certain amount of games. If it goes less than that certain amount of games, then the NBA has to pay back a certain percentage of the uh, money that they received from the contract. So that gives a very huge incentive for the NBA who has, you know, likely um, lost a lot of money, relatively speaking, for a year because of the pandemic to try to play as many games as possible, which has caused the, you know, compression of the games because of a lot of the postponements that happened earlier in the season, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think we have to legislate that again. But um, in short, do you all think that reducing the number of games would fix this issue? It would somewhat, and it is because of, you know, having more at, at stake, the regular season really mattering again. Well, it matters, but, you know, it gives it more of an incentive. So it, it would fix it somewhat. But what I'm wondering is, it would 72 do it or even 62? I think back in the day they had, like, what, 62 games. Well, they had less teams as well. Yes. Yeah, it was in the 60s, um, or the number of games were in the 60s, not in the 60s. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of underlying issues that need to be fixed, such as, you know, analysts actually talking about the game and not like the drama surrounding the game. And I think that turns off a ton of folks. I mean, sometimes it's okay, but a lot of times it's just whatever. Um, and, you know, just focusing on one player, you know, LeBron being out for a significant period of time has probably turned off a lot of fans if they have tried to expand who they're, you know, who they believe are mar- marketable across all the teams instead of having like three or four folks that they think are the most marketable. And then when they get hurt, then that causes ratings issues. Um, and also just, you know, the teams that they're actually showing on TV. I think that there's a lot of systemic issues that I don't necessarily think a reduction of games will help until they fix a lot of them. I'm not saying that they would help in this entirety and that it'll fix it in this entirety, but it's just a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, cause people have short attention spans now, you know, but that's, that's just one way to fix one step into fixing it. What you mentioned is the real root of the issue. Okay, ladies, let's, let's get into that. Let's discuss that. I'm going to give my little two cents on the ratings. Then we can kind of segue into why they keep showing the same teams on television. Uh, my, my little two cents is this. Social media has taken over. ESPN is struggling. We all know that ESPN is struggling. People don't watch TV anymore. They just don't. My TV is off majority of the time. My TV is not on when I'm at home. I'm usually either watching something online or reading 
or just sit in a quiet house. I like to sit in a quiet house. It just brings me peace. Um, ESPN had those layoffs because we know that the ratings are low, but they can put, they put clips on Instagram, Twitter, and things like that that you can see that you'll be interested in, but no one's interested in watching a two hour show. No one. The generations are changing. Um, especially when you have all these apps, you got a fire stick, you can watch a movie. I have HBO Max and I think it's wonderful. <laughs> There's just so many things out there to watch rather than sports center. When I was in high school, sports center was the highlight. You know what I mean? I come home or in the morning, if I miss something, I can watch it on sports center. Um, if I, if something happened at night and I missed it at night, I can watch it on sports center that same night. It's just not the same feeling anymore for me. I would rather watch a social media clip. And this is me being honest. I'm honest. This is an honest uh, podcast. I will rather watch a social media clip at times than to watch a game because that's the highlight. You know, that's probably why Topshop is taking off so much because you want to capture that moment. And we live in a world now where everything is quick. Everything is happening so fast and the world is moving so fast, especially with technology, that our brains are forced to move faster and our attention spans are lower. So if you set a kid down, a kid is not going to watch. He might watch a game. He or she might go to a game and watch it for a little bit. But I remember when I used to go to Oklahoma City Thunder games before COVID happened and kids would go to the games, they wouldn't be as interested. And I'm like, do you know how much money your parents pay for that ticket? Me as a child, I would have been ecstatic, you know what I mean, to go to a basketball game. But if you could sit a kid down on a couch and get them to watch a whole basketball game, he or she watch a whole basketball game, Without any technology, I would be very surprised. Very, very, very surprised. So between the attention span, um, the rise of social media, um, the way that technology is working, our brains are moving at a different level. There's a lot of factors to play into this. Also, another factor to play into this is the same teams being on television, the repetitiveness, and also teams that aren't even in the playoff picture getting more TV time, the teams that are actually in the playoff picture. So how do you guys feel about that? I'm always puzzled why it's not easier to switch things out. Like at the beginning of the season, when they schedule everything out and they choose which games are going to go on ESPN and TNT, which games are going to be the big national games, right? They choose those. And then you know, player A, major contributor to one team, you know, is out for the season and there's still 20 games with their team. And like every single team has its own broadcast. And I, I don't know, I'm just a Pollyanna about this, but I don't see why like they can't just like switch it out like with something else. Um, I mean, there's really two reasons why once again, TV contracts, um, I think, it's a lot easier for like NBA TV because they usually use the, you know, the hometown feed of the, you know, the team that is home to play it. But for ESPN and TNT, I don't know why they haven't done it like during the pandemic because most of the folks are remote. But once, you know, we turn, you know, return to relatively normal, it takes about, you know, they have a, you know, really early in the season, like as soon as, cause they, let me back up. Essentially, they get the locations of where they will, you know, they get a choice of which games that they will cover as part of the Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night or Saturday, you know, whatever the, you know, marquee matchup is. Um, but when they do that, they also chart, you know, just like the teams, like where the bus and that, you know, the bus is essentially where they are. They have all the equipment in, they, you know, map exactly where it's going to go and when so that it will get to the right location at the right time. So according to like some of the stuff I've read, it takes about six weeks for them to change like that. So if, you know, they decided like, hey, instead of focusing on like Houston, I'll use that uh, Houston example. Um, since James Harden left, let's go ahead and change those games to, 
you know, Dallas, let's say it's relatively easy like that. It still takes six weeks because there's other locations that that bus is going to, and they're not just covering the NBA. A lot of times they're covering other sports as well. Um, so yeah, it, it would definitely make sense. And, you know, in some ways I would hope that in the future it'd be easier for them to, you know, make those changes, but at least for like the TNTs and the, um, ABC slash ESPNs of the world. It's a little bit more complex, unfortunately. I mean, we don't have to go back to how it was always done. Like ever, like we don't need to go back to exactly the world was, you know, was before. Like we've seen that people can pivot and they can be creative. And it just seems like to me, this is a time to think about like, oh, all these things that were sort of like lingering issues in the past, like, this is an opportunity to problem solve and figure out what to do about at least some of them. I'm not going to say, I I don't think that they can, you know, solve every um, one of their challenges, but like, okay, buy another bus or, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, you know, have more remote games. We've seen that like, okay, they're not always as, they're not as good, but like, if it's a question of having like watching another 50 point blowout that you know is already written before it's even handled or pivoting to a remote um coverage of a game that's like really exciting i don't know i just think it's an opportunity for them to build something new that works for more people and works for the way people actually watch games nowadays why is the nfl why can the NFL flex games easier than the NBA? Do you know, Brittany? I don't know inherently, but most likely it's just due to more money. Plus, it's a contract thing as well. So they essentially okay. have, you know, worked into their contract and agreement that the, you know, the NBA or the NFL and their partners, which now they have one more with um, Amazon Prime, they can switch um, a certain percentage of the games. I think what it's like four or five now. Um, and the other thing that's changing too, is that there's not a, I mean, the NBA never had like a, you know, well, not in the last like 20 years or so, a, uh, a network that covers just the Eastern conference and the network that covers just the Western conference. Um, in the NFL, they did when it comes, you know, came to the AFC, um, and NFC this season, that's completely blown up. CBS and Fox are no longer going to have like their, you know, their dedicated um, conference schedules where they only put, you know, they only have a certain number of um, AFC games, like things like that, um, you know, a mixture of money and just the being able to write in the contract that, hey, they can switch a certain percentage. And then also just the number of games too. Like, you know, the NFL only has 16 games or now 17 games in a season. Um, you know, it's a little bit more harder to sort of switch that up if you're having to schedule um, essentially like 30 to 42 games every season for the major networks. That that makes sense. I was wondering why, because the NFL will flex a game out in a minute. Like if <laughs> they will flex a game out with the quickness, like, okay, these two teams are not playing for anything. We're going to put these two teams in. I know they flexed out one game this year in the NBA. Was it the Rockets that they flexed out? Um, they've actually flexed out a, a few games, but okay. a lot of the, okay. it's just not happening as regularly. And it's because of the reasons I mentioned, but I think like folks should remember that back in, you know, back in the day, I hate to say that because I don't feel like I'm that old, but back in the day, they weren't able to flex those games that easily. Yeah. So you'll see like Monday night football games and Sunday night football games that were just absolutely dreadful. Um, yeah. I think because of that, the NFL has had to, you know, stipulate in the contract and, you know, the media partners too, because they ultimately want the highest rating games to be able to flip, you know, switch out games when appropriate. And I think, you know, after after this season, the NF or the NBA is going to have a lot of considerations to have, especially now that they'll have a full off season to make those choices versus, you know, last year where they are the B or, you know, the off season last season um, when there was only 72 days between the NBA finals and the start of the season. Okay. I'm just, I'm just curious to see why things are the way they are. Um, because I do think, 
I am tired of watching the Pelicans, the Mavs on TV or just, can I get Charlotte? Can I get Atlanta? Can I get Memphis? You know what I'm saying? Can I get teams that are actually in the playoffs or in a playing game on television? They finally showed the Knicks on TV. I was happy about that. They'll sprinkle the Pacers in. Very rare, but they will. I wouldn't mind seeing the Wizards play at least one game. I think every team should have one national televised game. At least one. Um, OKC didn't have any this year. Washington didn't have any this year. And there was a couple other teams that didn't have any uh, televised games. I can't remember which other teams, but OKC is not. They haven't. Well, they're team tank now, but they are competitive. They play very, very hard and they're young. And I really enjoy watching them play. I will get back into watching them play. I know I took a little March Madness break. I'll be back. But I enjoy watching those young teams play. But we keep getting the same old teams on TV. And I'm like, okay, I'm not watching it. My mom says, you're tired of watching that boy play, aren't you? I said, yeah. If my mom remembers the name and remembers the points, that's a problem. <laughs> that's, a, that's a problem. Um, because it's just, I want a better variety. That That's just me, though. Somebody, People might be different, but... I want to see at least every team in the NBA get one national televised game. I think that would be fair. When I mean national, I mean either ESPN, TNT, or ABC. I mean, you get every team a play on NBA TV, but I want to see that kind of broadcasting because when you're voting for all-stars, right, it is a popularity contest. We know that. But there are teams you don't get to watch, like Sacramento. Sacramento's fun to watch. I enjoy watching Sacramento play. Um, Tar probably gets to watch Sacramento a lot on the West Coast. You too, you do too, Brittany. You do as well, Brittany. I can't talk today. So that team is fun for me. I like watching De'Aaron Fox play. Like, why can't I enjoy watching De'Aaron Fox? I like watching that young Charlotte team play. Mm-hmm. They, so they're real fun. And the announcers are amazing. <laughs> So, I'm best play-by-play guy in the league. Yes, they have amazing they have amazing announcers and that energy. The Hawks play with a lot of energy. Even the Knicks play with a lot of energy. Memphis is young; they play with a lot of energy. Can we get these young guns on TV so people that watch basketball a little bit, maybe not that much, can see what these young guns have to offer and why these young guns are so good? I, I really would appreciate that. Uh, I super agree with you. You can see I've been nodding this whole time. And I think it takes a lot of nerve for the people up at the very top to tell us who we want to watch all season. And their only choice is to get league pass if we don't like what they're, they've put on. I mean, it just, like you were saying, it like, it set, it sets, here's the people that we think that you should be watching. It doesn't allow us to choose or at least have a little bit more freedom about who we're going to watch. And it also sets up some players to have a lot better chance for all-star or, um, you know, some teams to have a lot more merchandise sales or whatever. And I just don't think it's fair. I love your idea that everybody, I mean, how hard would it be for every, I mean, I know scheduling is extremely complicated and it takes all these algorithms and super, super computers to do it. But seriously, how hard could it be to like set one of the parameters that every team gets at least one game? I mean, it's not hard. And I think, you know, what I mentioned or what is happening and, you know, the, you know, the situation with them being able to change it are two different things. Um, is one, like, you know, the ability to change where they're going in a national TV, you know, like in person, um, situation is a little bit difficult. But the issue that is going on is that I feel like ever since MJ or even earlier, they only focus on like four or five people across the league and then they schedule against that. And I don't think that's fair at all. Like, yes, they should have. I, I think I'm looking at the second half schedule. It looks like every single team did get at least one nationally broadcast game. Um, but the thing is that it's not balanced. So for instance, the Boston, or for the second half. So I'm looking at the second half national TV schedule. The 
Mavericks have 14 games. The Nuggets have 13 games, which I think is actually pretty good other than, you know, today's game where they got blown out uh, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, that's pretty good. The Warriors who are, eh, they have 18 games. And I think a lot of that's because of Steph Curry. Um, LA Clippers have 17. The Lakers have how many? They have way too many. Um, but essentially it doesn't account for when players are injured or, you know, just like teams that may heat up throughout the season. Like there should be a little bit more balance. Like if the league was more content with, Hey, let's get a good, you know, a household name across all 30 teams um, or, you know, a few household names across 30 teams instead of just focusing on, you know, the LeBrons of the world, the, you know, Steph Curry's unjust. I, I, I think that they should still get focused, but there's, there's room um, for them t- to show all of the positives with the NBA. And for some reason, they don't really like to do that. And it, and again, it's been like that ever since um, Magic and Larry and MJ. And right now, the talent in the NBA is just so, so rich and deep now and will be deeper in years to come. Why not focus on everyone, you know? And that and that will hopefully bring more fans into it. And also, I, I've had an idea about, you know, this um, every team gets one national game. How about one team get every national game with and not having the the national analysts and the play-by-play, having their own play-by-plays to um, call a game? You mean like, that's essentially the NBA TV model, but like using ESPN and ABC, like they should be able to be on, yeah, they... I, I hate to say TV contract, but they would have to build that into the TV contract. But I agree. That's definitely a way that they can do that, reduce costs and not necessarily need to have their production, you know, their entire production go around. And it can be, you know, um, simulcast with the regional sport network and, um, NBC or not NBC, um, ABC and ESPN and TNT. Exactamundo. Yes. And also it'll, um, shine light to those play by play announcers that, that are really exciting, you know, like the Eric Collins of the world, you know, because a lot of people have been complaining about how, you know, the net, the national people from ABC, TNT, they, they really don't, you know, don't have joy of what they're covering. And it'd be great to have those regional guys because the regional guys bring it. For and, most part. Mm-hmm. and um, real quick, I was able to find the number of Lakers games. So the Lakers have 21 national TV games. Like no other team has more than 20. The net, um, the Brooklyn Nets have 19 across um, NBA TV, but mostly ESPN, ABC, and TNT. That's ridiculous. Like, you know, especially since other than one season, LeBron James has been in the playoffs every single year. The Lakers do not need 21 games. And now we're seeing the consequences of that since both LeBron's out and Anthony Davis has been out for extended period of time. There has to be some changes with that. Yeah. I don't have NBA TV, so I don't know. uh, I don't have access to it. Um, Do they have a thing like the red zone on NBA Mm -hmm. TV, you like for football where they like just bounce around between games. Yep. So they have it, but it's not every day. It's called crunch time and it's hosted by Jared Greenberg, who I'm a fan of, but yeah. So Mm -hmm. um, they usually have it on days where there's not a national TV game. So it's like Tuesday or no Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday or Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, depending on the schedule. Um, and it's pretty good. Like folks don't realize it because I, I think like Wob, um, worldwide Wob slash um, Robert Perez, uh, he says like, oh, why isn't there not a red zone? There is. It's just that the NBA, the, or the NBA and TNT, they, don't promote, they it. don't promote it. It's like that would be a perfect sort of solution, um, you know. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just I just think it's time for like 
different thinking. Like I just, you know, if there was never an op- if there hasn't been an opportunity for making some broad changes, it seems like this is an opportunity for that. And you know, we've talked a lot about changes to the broadcast. Is there anything that like changes to the game? that p- folks would think about contemplate or have you've heard people contemplate making because you know there's the fact that games are like super long right now um what if they shorten the game what if they move the three point line out i mean none of these things are necessarily things that i'm a fan of but there have been some proposals about ways that the game could change so does anybody have any thoughts on that yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess Janelle, you want to go first? Um. You mean like shortening the games? I mean, your course is forty-eight minutes, but I wonder what what would it be like if they they had at least ten-minute quarters instead? Don't so the like w, don't the NBA have like uh, ten-minute quarters or something like that? Mm-hmm. And the Olympics as well, I think, is ten minutes, if I recall correctly. Um, and I think, I don't think FIBA does, but yeah, definitely the Olympics, but that's because they're trying to fit a ton of games within, you know, a essentially like a two to three week window. Well, I mean, they were trying to cram a whole bunch of games into the season. Like that would have been, it could have been an opportunity to make them slightly smaller too. Yeah. I mean, I think the major thing that will sort of cause a ton of people to balk is just it would completely destroy the, uh, you know, the um, record book. But I mean, at the same time, if people aren't necessarily watching it or it doesn't appear that people are watching it, then, you know, there has to be other things to sort of consider. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of that. I, I think they, if they can figure out ways for the games to be more competitive, then 48 g- minutes will be, you know, just fine. Um, if that means reducing games, although I think people would still rest, which is, a, you know, one of the concerns that always sort of comes up. Um, and, you know, allowing the defenses more, um, ability, you know, more ability to actually defend and not, you know, get fouled every, you know, not be called for a foul every two seconds. If they called um, less fouls, those games would be a oh lot shorter. Gosh. Yeah. There's a lot of things that the NBA could do, I think, but before, you know, deciding to reduce the amount of minutes that are played. Um, but I think at some point, if this continues on in a trend, you know, if it doesn't stabilize, I think the pandemic is just, you know, a really, I think it's sort of tough to make like definite decisions like, hey, they need to make a, you know, quite frankly, it would be a really radical change because they haven't changed the, you know, the amount of minutes that are played. I don't think, I mean, it must have been before um, shot clock, um, the shot clock um, error started. Um, but more or less, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I think there's probably a lot of rules changes and other things that can make the game more competitive before reducing the minutes. Although that I think was just like one idea. That was just like yeah. one radical idea, but there's other things like moving the three point out line out longer to, you know, make it less of a, just pour in the same three point lines. I don't know. You know, they've, they've messed around with the endings of games. Um, you know, Elam ending. Yeah. Maybe there's different, um, like you, like we said, you know, different foul rules so that there aren't as many fouls called in the game or, you know, timeouts or I don't know. There's, there's just like, I think all these people who are so creative at putting on this league and who use their brilliant legal minds to construct all of these, you know, uh, collective bargaining agreements and do all of that stuff. Like I think everybody who's smart enough to come up with all of that can come up with some other ideas. Okay, I have a question for you ladies. Let's let's kind of segue into to talking about the entertainment of the NBA. Why do you think people aren't as entertained anymore as they used to be? Or or people ever entertained by the NBA? That that could be a question too. When is the most entertaining time in the NBA? When did you love watching the NBA? What really made me fall in love with the NBA is the playoffs and that period between the playoffs and like around the end of the regular season when the stakes are higher 
that's really what made me fall in love with the game and with the intensity and all of that and that heightened level of competition. That's what really made me fall in love with the NBA as a little girl. But right now, I think people are more in love with the drama that surrounds the NBA, the the, the off-the-court mess versus the game itself. That's what KD's tweet alluded to um, recently. I don't think a lot of fans really love the game for the game. They love the highlights. They love everything that goes along with that. But the actual game. And I don't know what will make the game exciting to them. What would make them really fall in love to the game like we we are, we have? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think you know ultimately the most exciting part is the playoffs. But I, I think what's hurt, and, and maybe like folks have always been you know sort of disinterested at points during the season. But I think what has hurt the product a lot is just having it, it not just like fans like talking to each other and saying like oh the re- you know regular season isn't important it's now the stars and the analysts who are former players saying like oh the regular season isn't important like when you reduce the like of course it's not going to be as important as the playoffs like I, I think the playoffs you know are sort of the ultimate you know thing and everyone's excited during that because it's a relatively short period of time compared to the regular season and there's a relatively fewer amount of games and a lot more higher stakes but when you have players um and team or not players and analysts and the media that is being, you know, the partners of the, um, of the NBA saying like, Oh, the regular season doesn't matter constantly. That's going to reduce people's interest in watching the regular season. Like they're just going to wait until, you know, close to the end of the season to see like, Oh, here, no, they'll watch like the scattering of teams who are about to be in the playoffs. And then they'll watch their team probably the most. But if they're hearing from Charles Barkley um, every Thursday night that, oh, you know, him not knowing someone's name and then saying that the regular season doesn't matter or Shaq saying that or, you know, someone on um, Sirius XM NBA radio who, you know, the NBA has a you know ownership stake in saying like the regular season doesn't matter, then no wonder people aren't interested in it. Of course, there's like attention spans and things like that, but it's also like if there's not passion in the people who are trying to sell the product, then you're not going to have passionate fans. Right. You know why football is so successful? And yeah, it's, it's about uh, regular season games and all of that stuff, but the people who cover football makes it successful because they make the regular season matter. It matters to them. And what these analysts should do is figure out how to make the season more interested to them. And that can carry over to their coverage. Yeah. And of course there's going to be moments where there's like burnout. And I think a lot of folks are in the burnout stage. Like I personally can say that I'm burnt out with the season, but I think that's partially due to just like hearing all the time that, you know, this season doesn't matter. And, you know, now that the Rockets are tanking, we just need to wait till the lottery and see how it goes there. Like it would be a lot better if I was like, oh, I can watch each game and be, you know, see a potentially competitive team, even if they lose every single night. Um, But for many of us, um, not just those who have bad teams, but just teams that are even good or, but just not in the, you know, the five to six range of teams that actually have a chance to win a championship. When you hear from folks that this regular season doesn't matter when there is only the regular season for many of these teams, it's really disheartening to actually want to watch it. And I guess some of it is also like, how do the players themselves react to those kinds of comments? 
you know, because, oh, I, I feel like there's been sort of a, players are starting more to like comment on being asked questions about things that they don't like, lines of questioning they don't really like from, you know, guys like Shaq. Um, because, you know, if the, if these, if these people who are covering the league are in fact saying things about it, you know, the, the regular season not mattering, like what do the players say? Like I want to hear what the players have to say about that because I'm pretty sure Damian Lord would not agree. Like I'm pretty sure that a lot of, um, players would not agree, like Steph and, you know, maybe some of the guys, I don't even know if a guy sitting at the end of the bench would agree. It's just that, um, you know, when these other voices take over and we don't hear what the players think, you know, that's, that's part of it. Cause like you ask Amber, like, why did we, you know, fall? What's our favorite thing to watch about basketball? And for me, it's because I love the stories behind the players. And the first thing that got me into basketball was seeing Bill Lambert with that thing on his face during the 90 whatever, um, playoff run against the Trailblazers. And I learned all about Bill Lambert because I saw that, you know, the mask that he was wearing and found out more about him. And I was like, Ooh, I want to defeat that guy. Um, and so I was, I became very invested in my team taking down that player. So, yeah, I would ask the players what they think about whether or not the regular season matters or if it matters if you are just the eighth seed uh to go up against the number one as, you know, um in you know, in what's most people predict to be not a very balanced matchup at the Blazers have been in that a number of times as well. And yeah. I think the players would still say it mattered. Mm-hmm. And until the NBA um you know, either works with the media partners to figure out a better strategy when it comes to the media that is being discussed. I mean, of course, I, I don't think any of us, or at least I'm not saying that there shouldn't be criticism about the players and the teams. But the one thing that I've always said that the NFL, for all of its shortcomings, does well, and what Amber, you know, was mentioning earlier, is that the NFL makes things feel important in the moment. They may have criticism of it and they may have analysis, but they don't demean folks and they don't say that things aren't important in that moment. And that's what the NBA lacks extremely. And until and unless that changes, they could have 17 games per season and folks will still feel disinterested because um, they're seeing analysts and commentators and other folks just bashing the product all the time. 17, 20 minute games. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice and quick, but I don't know if it would be too interesting. Now I have a question. Do you think that the NBA should do what the WNBA has done? WNBA has gotten rid of conferences. So now they just go one through eight. Now the NBA has implemented the seven through 10 playing game. Do you think that will help the playoff ratings a little bit? Do you think they should do what the WNBA has done as far as go one through 16 um, and have that 12 through 16 playing games? I think it would, no, it'd be 11, no, it'd be 13 through 16, 13, 14, 15, 16. It'd be 13 through 16 playing games. Um, do you think they should do that? Um, get rid of the conf- just get rid of the conferences altogether. I know that's a scheduling issue because you play each team in a different conference twice, once at home, once on a road, and then you're in division, you play so many games. But say for instance, they just got rid of the conference with conference standings don't matter. And we're just going um the top sixteen teams make it and then thirteen through sixteen have that play in game. Do you think that would be a more exciting format? Potentially, um, like I said before, if they fix the issue with the analysts, uh, they probably still need to make changes with the format. The one thing I've always said is that, or at least more recently, is it would be interesting. I know the NBA, like one of their foundational steps is that, oh, every single team has an opportunity or every single city that has an NBA team has an opportunity to see every single team in the league, you know, at some point in this, in the, you know, in the NBA season. 
Like, I don't, if they go, you know, um, conference lists, they really should let that go and sort of have a rotational schedule, you know, sort of like what the NFL does where, you know, every two to three seasons, you know, you play your comp, you know, you play your division and then you play the, and um, if I'm in the AFC West and then I play the um, NFC West, NFC West every like three or four years, et cetera, and just like rotate that way. And then you play like, you know, the top, whatever team. Um, I can't remember the format is at this point, but the NF, um, the NBA could do something similar to that. Um, and I don't think it would necessarily hurt if, uh, um, if a city doesn't see a team, um, for every other year versus every single year. And that would help with the scheduling issue as well. If they do more of the home series, which I think have been relatively enjoyable to watch as well as some of the other things that, that they've implemented this year moving forward, they could, you know, they could definitely account for the travel issues that may be, um, raised because of the one through 16, you know, or I guess one through 30, um, unless they're going to go ahead and um, add two more teams that is. I, I like the, I I'm, I'm warming to the idea of the just seeding up one through 16. I'm anxious to see how the play in tournament works. I have uh, just accepted the fact that the Blazers are going to somehow fall into that and they're going to have just because Whenever there's something that weird that happens, the Blazers are part of it. Like the first play in game in the bubble. Um, so I've just convinced myself that, uh, the Blazers are going to fall down into that seventh or eighth range and we're going to be a part of that. And after that, I will understand how that play in tournament works. Cause right now I like do not understand, um, how it works, but in keeping with kind of what I've been saying this whole time, like I appreciate that they're trying something new. Um, and we'll see how it goes, I guess. I'll report back <laughs> after watching my team get through it. Cause I'm sure they're going to get, I'm sure they're going to get into it and get out of it. But then like, what are they going to have left after they go through the whole exercise and who yeah. are they going to play? I mean, they essentially have to win depending on what your seed is. You have to win up to three games in a row. And if you lose any of those games, then you're eliminated. So it's and, like a single. Yeah. Yeah, and what I don't understand is whoever the person that the team is that you are going to play when it's over, are they resting this whole time? Yeah, so it, it's essentially like a bye for um, one through six for right. each um, conference. And then whoever comes out of that tournament may have played three games in the meantime, which just mm-hmm. sounds miserable and it sounds like something very blazery. So I'm, I'm well, mentally preparing myself for that. <laughs> well, Portland has one of the most difficult schedules left in the NBA. So yep. I went over Wait. that last night. That's um, why I'm saying that I think that they're going to fall out of where they are now and go and fall into that thing. But you know what? I could be wrong. I, I sound like I don't believe in my in the team that I follow. I just believe that if any team is going to get into that situation, 50 years of experience has shown me it's the Blazers. <laughs> I mean, they have most of their crew back at this point unless i missed a injury um i'm not asking for any injuries for anyone but um i mean i think they're probably going to be okay it's going to be difficult but i mean the rockets have the like the hardest schedule in the league by far and that that shows quite a bit uh, i'm i'm sorry uh Brittany. i'm i'm very sorry um uh, okc has embraced the tank because they told al horford you will not be playing anymore this season um, they're playing their young guns a lot more. SGA has plantar, I think he has plantar fasciitis. So I don't know when he's coming back, if he's going to come back, but he was playing very, very well. Um, almost all-star caliber level, in my opinion. But of course, OKC doesn't get shown on TV. So people don't know that. Uh, case in point, De'Aaron Fox is playing great this year. People don't know that because they're not on TV. Whew. Take a deep breath, Amber. But. OKC has embraced the tank, Brittany. And since OKC has embraced the tank, I've embraced it with them, Brittany. But I don't know what the Rockets are doing. I, I really don't. No, they're do. organically tanking. Like, they're just... Okay. They're just not good. But I feel like there's bright spots. But they're, you know... I, I think just all of the drama... Like, the, I, I think the only team that could say, like, hey, there's definite drama all the time, at least not until recently, were the Rockets. And that 
really eats at teams. So um I don't think they had to like purposely tank. Like at this point, it's just like like a organic tank. Okay. I, yeah. I just, I was wondering how it's going in OKC because yeah, that's like an overt. <laughs> hey, guess what we're doing, everyone? Like, you know, a lot of times it's, there's still up for debate and that seems like I was just wondering how OKC fans in general are reacting. Um, at first I was like, okay, no, I want this team. This team was winning. They were competing. They're competing every night anyway. But with their roster, Baisley has missed games. He's missed a month, but he came back last night. They just told Al Horford, you will not be playing. Uh George Hill, I don't even think he's with the team anymore, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know what's going on with George Hill. Um, SGA is hurt. Lou Dort was in and out the lineup for a little bit, and they're playing their young guys more. So I was like, okay, you told Al Horford, look, you're not playing anymore. Then that's when I knew OKC was embracing the tank. We have so many draft picks. I mean, it just, you know. I mean, why not? Right. I mean, yeah. I don't, I still think OKC is fun to watch even when they're yeah. getting oh, yeah. out. I mean, like Poku is like super fun. Like <laughs> he seems to me like, like Kristaps, but not like a total jerk, you know, and I, don't, I could be totally wrong about that, but I don't know. He just, I, I just think that they're fun to watch. Yeah, they are. They're a fun young team to watch. And, but people don't know that. People are like, well, SGA doesn't have the numbers. I was like, well, if you watch OKC, you'll see SGA has numbers. It's just so tough to make an all-star team in the West. Devin Booker is putting up, was putting up great numbers. They have the second best record in the league and he barely got into the all-star game because guess what? They don't put Phoenix on TV. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is making his catch for MVP. Uh, people don't really know that because guess what? They don't put Utah on TV. So, and then Utah has this crazy uh dark cloud over them anyway. But that's a long story. But what I'm saying is these there are other teams that are fun to watch. Um, there, are, there are other players that are fun to watch. Now, I've embraced the tank with my team. Uh, Brittany's embraced what her team's fate is. Uh, Janelle, how do you feel about Golden State? I don't know how to feel about Golden State right now. I know Wiseman has a torn meniscus. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I, I really feel bad for him because, you know, he's his heart is in the right place. He really wants to succeed, and he, he really wants to do well for the team. But it just seems like whenever he gets a, a, a burst or seem like he gets it, there is a setback. And this is just another setback in a season full of them for him. And, and it's just a shame. But as far as the Warriors go, I just want to pick a lane and stick with it. Either they're going to maximize Steph Curry's prime in its entirety or try to build for whatever future they have. What they tried to do all year was to do t- uh, two things at once, and you can't do that. But I would like for them to pick the lane, pick a lane, and hopefully that lane will be the right one. I, uh, if it was me, you know what I would probably um, do. Uh oh. Yeah. Neil, I'll fire Steve Kerr, and what else? No, no, I, I'm not going there. Well, okay. I'm not going there yet, but I'm talking about like. As far as a direction of the team goes, I would maximize Curry's and Thompson's prime. Ride them until the wheels fall off because with these draft picks, you never know what you're going to get anyway. And it's just, and it's better to try to build around an existing nucleus and a nucleus that, that has finite window than to really be- develop these kids. And who who are you really developing? They're not really developing anybody. They're not really developing Wiseman. He, there's been some uh, instances in the season when he's just straight he's was just straight miserable because he's been trying to figure out where he belongs in Kerr's um, advanced calculus offense. And yes, I'm really close to saying fire coach Kerr. 
Okay. Oh, and also getting rid of the front office too. Isn't somebody That's retiring? That's another day, huh? Isn't somebody retiring from your front office? Yeah, Rick Welts is. Okay. And that was a surprise. That that, that was like the the team president and C- CEO. Not mistaken. Yeah, he's retiring. That was a shocker. And right. he, he's more like the business side of it, right? Yeah, Not player. More like the business side, yes. And did you know that he was responsible for the current format of the All-Star Game? Mm-hmm. The, the modern? He's been involved with the All-Star Game since 84, I believe. Wow. Okay, Tara, give us a quick synopsis of how you feel about the Blazers moving forward. Well, uh, you know, like we talked about, they're having a really rough schedule. Um, Norm Powell looks really nice. Gary Trent is balling out in Toronto, and I'm trying not to take that personally. Um, but uh, it's incredible that the Blazers have like some really good defenders like Robert Covington and are still like the 29th defender, 29th in defense. So, um, my approach is to try super hard not to worry about it. They are beating all the teams that they should. They are just not able to beat any of the ones that they probably shouldn't. And so if they can just beat a team ahead of them in the standings, I will feel way better as it is now. I'm just, you know, Hanging in there and hoping that, um, you know, we get bonus basketball by them making it into the postseason. But with the schedule that they've got so far, it's just going to be uphill battle. But the thing is, is like with the schedule so far too, if they are able to, um, achieve it and maintain the type of winning record that they have and while making it through this really tough schedule, then I will have confidence that they will be able to actually go somewhere in the playoffs. But if they're not able to, then I don't know how well they would do in the playoffs anyway. So I don't know. I don't have a short synopsis, I guess. <laughs> Just please be better on defense. Just like somehow get better. Like Robert Covington is a good defender. So I don't know how they are so poor on defense. But I'm sure they'll get it together soon. They'll have to. The playoffs, you know, the game slow down a little bit. And we'll see. But I am a believer in the Blazers. Um, I think they will do well. I predicted they would go 12 and 8 in their last 20 games because we talked about this on my show, Count the Bucket, um, last night. So <laughs> okay, well, that would be good. Yeah, I said 12 and 8 because this schedule looks brutal. <laughs> I said, whoo, goodness. Um, they're on the Lakers' heels, but also Dallas is on their heels, and Dallas has an easier schedule. I predicted Dallas would go 15 and 6 because Dallas has 21 games left. So, if Dallas goes 15 and six and they're the seventh seed right now, then the Blazers go 12 and eight. That would put Dallas ahead of the Blazers. So I said that the Blazers cannot go 10 and 10 because I think that Dallas's schedule and the way that they're playing right now just favors them the most. So I really hope that the Blazers can, you know, kind of find their way in there. The Lakers have a little bit of a, not really a tough schedule, but it's tougher than they wanted to be with Anthony Davis and LeBron being out. So we'll see. They did beat the Nets last night, but that's, you know, that was bizarre. Mm-hmm. But we'll see around the NBA, guys. We'll see. Any other last thoughts before we sign off? I guess we didn't have time to talk about Kyrie's issue if we're talking about the Nets <laughs> and oh, what he posted yeah. today. Oh, that could, uh, be, a, that, that could yeah. be a long conversation. <laughs> and now he's on, Um, he's taking a break, which I don't. Rama, a Rama, Rama, I think it's. Ramadan? Ramadan. Yeah, Ramadan. Ramadan. Yeah, yeah. It's that's why. And I don't know if his fiance had her baby or not yet. Either. I think Kyrie gets so much hate for no reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you know he's been out for it for pretty valid reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people was like, "Oh, it was Kyrie's birthday. He must have went out." I was like, "No, but his fiance is pregnant." So. That's not why. And but I you know, realized that he was a Muslim until now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did not know that. And there's people on the timeline. Some of them were um, making fun of his religion. E- even yeah. that, um, even that Max is nice dude making fun of the, you know, the sage incident, the, the um, walking stick uh, months ago. I mean, you know, it's just really, it's just really unfortunate. I mean, you know, Kyrie is a player who means well and whose heart is in the right place and he shouldn't get all the hate he get. Yeah. But sometimes it's just like he has 
sort of brought himself that, but I think more recently it's just been folks like right. re- remembering his previous, um, interactions with several people, um, and, you know, content and using that as a way to like scapegoat him for no reason. And people don't seem to realize or maybe even care to realize that people change and people evolve. And I think that's what Kyrie is on right now. He's evolving. He's becoming, that Kyrie has found his purpose outside of basketball. Exactly. I honestly, I honestly think that. And a black man with a voice and that knows his purpose, people are scared of that in America, period. When in the world, period. He's a black man. He has a voice. He knows his voice. He knows his work and he knows who he is. And he's not just a basketball player. He is more than a basketball player. Kyrie wants to be seen as more than an entertainment. And he is. He's more than entertainment. He's a, very deep thinker. I believe Kyrie's a very deep thinker and maybe sometimes too deep, but we don't understand how people think that's, you know, that's not my lane to judge. So I really love Kyrie. I love Kyrie. I will always love Kyrie. I love what he does on the court. I love what he does off the court. Um, could it be a little bit much at times? Yes, but we don't understand. I don't, I'm not Muslim, so I don't understand what goes into that religion, those religious practices. But the sage, people burn sage all the time. He just did it publicly. I mean, you know, people do that and, you know, the cleanse, you know, bad juju and everything like that. But as long as Kyrie's at peace, that's all that matters. Okay, ladies, are we good? Any last thoughts? Are we good? We're good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, thank you for joining us on another episode of Step Back Sisterhood. We will be releasing this on Tuesday, correct? Correct. This will be released on Tuesday. You can find it on um, Step Books, the Step Back Sisterhood Twitter account. Um, Janelle, where can they follow you? Brittany, where can they follow you? And Tara, where can they follow you? Guys, can follow me on Twitter at Janelle12. That is J-A-N-N-E-L-L-E-12. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram if I ever post on Instagram again at Brit Robotista. That's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. And I'm on Twitter at T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S. I'm on Twitter at SimplyMe underscore A-V. And you can find our Twitter handle for the show at Setback Sisters on Twitter And we appreciate all the engagement, all the follows, um, all the listens and participation. We really appreciate it. And for Janelle, Tara, Brittany, and Amber, we are out.